Welcome on in. This is your Tuesday edition of the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Today's episode brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get $10 off your first order. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON. Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Tyler Aki flying solo today. Tim Leonard on vacation this week. You can find the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. And if you want to see some great golf picks, just check out Tim's Twitter account. I'm sure he'll be posting them all week long at Tim underscore Leonard four and myself at Tyler Aki underscore. So Dino Babers met with the media yesterday. I'll break down his comments in just a second. Also, Syracuse's week one opponent, UNC, big news coming out of Chapel Hill on the education front. So we will update you on that because that could play a factor in whether or not the orange is suiting up in week one. And we'll close things out today with some hoops as well because Quincy Garrier made some headlines as well yesterday. So we will break down all of that. But we start with Dino Babers and... He said a a number of things on a Zoom press conference with some reporters yesterday. First of all, just to kind of graze through and comb through some of the the smaller things he said, basically, he started out, out by saying that we dropped the ball, and he stood by his players calling out the protocol and really tipped his cap to what his players have done. I think he is very impressed by the maturity that men aged 17 to 23 are displaying at this point in their lives on an issue that, quite frankly, goes beyond them. It it is health of a group, health of a community, and I think Dino Babers is largely impressed with the way that they've handled that. He's also, I think is worth noting, put out a vote of confidence in John Wildhack, the athletic director, and Kent Siveru, the chancellor, saying that these guys are not messing around with this, and we've kind of seen that evidenced by Syracuse really taking the giant leap in terms of testing. I talked about this yesterday on the show, how they're way ahead of everyone else in the ACC, it seems like right now. They're up to Big 12 standards, where it's three times a week. Again, I would still like to see that EKG, the ECGs, the heart scans become a thing that become more prevalent. And again, that might be something that does come out. I know I saw in this article written on Syracuse.com today that... Brad Pike, the athletic trainer, the head athletic trainer for Syracuse, has been looking and monitoring closely with players who may have pre-existing conditions, and this may be affecting a little bit more than your average student athlete. So that was a big thing. And Dino also said, too, he himself, despite the fact that New York was kind of the, the big hot spot early in this pandemic, yet that has kind of tempered down a little bit, but he feels comfortable in New York walking around with his mask on. However, there is one looming question that we are going to get an answer to, hopefully this week. Dino's confident this answer is coming this week. And it is the answer of what is going to happen with the eligibility of players who may want to opt out. Right now, Syracuse, just one opt-out so far. Cooper Dawson, redshirt freshman, uh, three-star defensive end from a couple years ago. So... He is not going to be a part of this team in 2020, no matter what happens if the eligibility is sorted out and he gets to retain this year or not, he will not be a part of the Orange. But Dino brought up the fact that he's got a real problem with the fact that he has to continue to give the answer, I don't know, to a number of his players. He likes to deal in the black, he likes to deal in the white, he likes concrete, but what makes him uncomfortable is 
is when you dabble in the gray. And that's exactly what, honestly, not just the Syracuse football team, but for most of us, we have dabbled in the gray, pretty much. And, and let's be honest, life in its essence is mostly dabbled in the gray. There, There's very few things in life that are so black and white. And so when you look on this spectrum, and Dino exists in this world of uncomfortability with how he has to answer to some of his players, that's a problem. That is a problem because the NCAA hasn't gotten its you-know-what together quite yet. And that's something that we knew a long time ago for little things like, I don't know, let's say there's a Syracuse offensive lineman out there right now who's maybe waiting for a waiver still, looking at you, NCAA. But there's little things like that, and I'm referencing the Chris Bleich situation and how he has not gotten clarity despite the fact that we've seen a number of other players out there in college football receive their waivers. But the NCAA has not stepped up to the plate and has not delivered a concrete answer of what is going to happen with the eligibility of players that decide to opt out. So that's where Dino kind of sits in this gray area right now. And he's admitted that there's a faction of the group right now that isn't practicing and they're in contention to potentially opt out of the season. And I don't blame those players because... Even though they're not practicing, I don't think that's necessarily a vote of non-confidence against the protocols in place. I think that's more, what if something happens to you in terms of injuries, and then you, your eligibility is up in the air, and all right, maybe this season's going to count for you even if you opt out, then you're dealing with, some, with a, a whole unknown right there. So... That's something that I think you have to take into consideration with that, with those players who aren't practicing and that may opt out. He also said that there's a contingency of players practicing, but they're not yet comfortable playing games. And that's something that Syracuse has stressed a lot, is that we want to be comfortable with the protocols in place, not just for ourselves, but for our opponents as well. Because we can control what's happening in our little university bubble, but we can't control what's happening down in Chapel Hill. We can't control what's happening in Durham, in Boston, in Pittsburgh, in Tallahassee, in South Bend. We have no control. Only the ACC has control of what's going on in terms of the protocol. Once you're outside of practice, anything kind of goes. And I think that's something that these players are very worried about, especially with some of the videos and pictures that we saw surface from over the weekend. So... These players are not yet comfortable, and I think that leads us to the question of, will we see more opt-outs? Because Dino Babers, remember this? Remember in one of the first press conferences he gave once practice got underway for Syracuse? It was that Dino wasn't sure. He, he knew Cooper Dawson was going to opt out, and everyone has come to the defense of Cooper Dawson saying, we respect his decision, and we'll see him in 2021. No hard feelings. We get it. And that's the only way that you can treat this right now if you're a teammate, a coach, what have you, administrator in this process. You have to respect and you cannot force your personal belief upon someone else in that regard of whether or not you want to play. But Dino has left this door open that we could be seeing more opt-outs. And quite frankly, I think we will. I think we will. Just the fact that there are groups in multiple pods 
There's the camp that is sitting out of practices and considering opting out, and there's a camp that's still practicing and is still considering sitting out because they don't quite feel comfortable with playing games yet. And that is a big topic because I think we will continue to see more players and more players decide to sit out. And that's just the reality that we're going to have to live with right now is that the roster that you look at, the 100 or so guys on the roster, that could be trimmed down to 90, 80. I mean, Lord knows, maybe it gets down to 70. Or maybe Syracuse as a whole, as a team, decides, you know what? We don't feel comfortable with how other teams out there are taking this, and we're going to take ourselves out. We have seen that. Old Dominion of Conference USA has completely taken themselves out of the season, even though Conference USA is going full wagons ahead on the season. So that is what we will be looking for over these next couple of days and weeks. Again, that decision, hopefully we will see by Friday. Dino is confident we will have an answer to that by the end of the week. And once that comes out, that's when the floodgates are going to open and you're going to see more and more players decide whether they want to opt in or opt out of this 2020 season. All right, coming up next, Syracuse's week one opponent, Chapel Hill, UNC, going remote for the remainder of this season. And while that seems like a bad thing on the outset, I'm actually going to tell you why it is good for the prospects of college football and the ACC come week one. That is coming up next, but first, gotta get in a word with our guys from Built Bar because guess what? Built Bar is re-upping the protein bar game. Six new flavors coming to the Built Bar lineup, including, here are the ones that really caught my eye, caramel brownie and cookies and cream. I am really looking forward to that. I was really excited. I saw in my email the other day that I got a new Built Bar box coming my way so I cannot wait for that to come in so I can get back to snacking on these protein bars because there's no better way to reward yourself for a workout than with Built Bar because A, they're healthy, B, they taste like a candy bar, and C, you're just getting all these different benefits for your body. And they don't fill you up like they're an entire meal. They're the perfect post-workout snack or just a regular snack. You need something to get you through the day, a little pick-me-up from that working from home. Built Bar is the way to go. And right now, take a listen to this real quick, all right? Because they are giving away a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Yes, you heard me right. A free cooler with your purchase. It's only going to last about a week or so, so you're going to want to get on this ASAP. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Remember, this used to be just your first order, but now you will get it off your next order. Use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Some big news in athletics from yesterday. Really, not just in athletics, but how about the, the whole tenor of just education in America at the advanced college level of education. UNC, University of North Carolina, Syracuse's week one opponent, is deciding to go remote after they saw their positivity rate spike from 2.8% when they entered campus to now a little under 15% as we sit one week through their season. I remember, I told you this last week, there's three schools you need to watch. Because they've been, they started their school and their fall semester last week, one week ago on Monday. And 
it is UNC, it is NC State, and it is Notre Dame. And right now we're seeing UNC a week into the semester saying, you know what, we cannot do this given the numbers that we have and the research at our disposal. We are going to make this thing remote for the remainder of the fall semester. Or at least the foreseeable future, that is. And that is a little bit concerning because UNC, like I told you yesterday, was one of those places where we saw not just students because... Again, we've seen the students out hot and heavy at a lot of these schools in America so far that are back in session, and even some that aren't back in session quite yet. But included in some of those videos and social posts were football players who were going out and just living the normal college lifestyle, the college lifestyle that they were acquainted to, or in, in the case of some of the freshmen maybe not acquainted to and were expecting to have from a fall ago. And when you look at... What this means for Syracuse now is that you got to hope that a lot of those UNC players didn't get tangled into that web. And I think you probably feel good that you've got about a month until you play that opening week against UNC because that'll give them the proper time. They can bubble these players off away from the, the student body. They can pretty much isolate as, to, as strictly as they need to now until this season starts and you don't have to worry as much hopefully again fingers crossed that these players are intermingling because we see now i mean these facilities are top of the line even syracuse who doesn't have the spiffiest of facilities in terms of their football program right now for a power five conference but these syracuse players they can isolate themselves into Manly and Ensley if need be because you can live out of a lot of these places. You can go apartment to facility, back and forth, back and forth, and you can feel pretty comfortable with the health and safety because of the extreme measures that are being taken into place at all of these schools in terms of the athletic facilities. So UNC players, hopefully, and hopefully this is a wake-up call for them as well as every other school that has opted in so far to play college football, that your athletes cannot be mixing with the students because the students, as you can see so far, cannot be trusted. They can't because when you see a, uh, the spike in positivity rate at a school like UNC go from about 3% to about 15%, that's alarming, and if your players are being intermingled among that contingency, that's where you're going to run into problems with your college football season that you want so badly. And listen, I want this college football season to happen so badly, so badly. I still don't feel great that it's actually going to come to fruition, but let's just ride this wave while we still can, because I think the, like I've said, I think the Big Ten axed everything a little prematurely, but... The fact that the ACC, the Big 12, the SEC, and a bunch of the other group of five and other conferences out there have decided to go full steams ahead with the season so far, you ride the wave until you can't ride it anymore. And right now, you just got to hope that those Carolina players didn't get tangled into the web that is the rest of the student body. And you got to hope that your players and your campuses are going to take this thing seriously. So far, we've seen UNC, at least the student body, I'm not going to say anything for the administration or the protocols that they had in place because I don't know what they are, but they can't control what their students do outside of campus housing. Most students do not live in campus housing, 
after their first couple of years and they can have access to these outside areas. From what I've heard from the people that I've heard that are on the Syracuse University campus grounds, the protocol set in place for the students has been pretty good and the players have followed it, or not the players, rather the students have been very, very cooperative in terms of the protocol set in place, social distancing, the masks, all that stuff, limiting your interaction with the, the population. It's been good. Outside of that at Syracuse University, for the most part from people that I've talked to, it has been pretty good. You've seen some, some parties pop up in some backyards here or there, but for the most part, it's been good. You need to keep your players away from these students. I would feel confident if if there were no students on campus. But again, that's not the reality that we are going to live in this year because while the students may be going remote, they're still gonna be on campus. You can't force them out of housing that is not university owned. And like I said, a lot of the people who live in non-university owned housing is, is going to stay on campus. They, they've been locked up with their parents for the past four or five months. They want that taste of freedom, and quite frankly, their parents probably want them out of their hair to a degree as well. So that is the big question that we are going to see. What does the football testing look like these next couple of days for North Carolina? Because the Tar Heels, and maybe we will have a number by the time this episode is released, but the Tar Heels are going to be, we may see that number pop up and take a nice little spike. But I will say this, I, I, I feel a little bit better now that UNC is going remote and I hope a number of other universities follow suit because that way you can keep these players in that bubble. They don't have to go into class at all. They don't have to mix with the rest of the campus, at least those that are going to take it seriously. And hey, if you're not taking it seriously, opt out. Opt out. You, you shouldn't be living with some of the football players. You shouldn't be around the football facilities because that you're the ones that are going to endanger this season. And I feel good that Syracuse can make, at least if, if these universities start to go remote, I feel good that Syracuse can get this first game off against UNC because they're remote, they're not going to have tests flare up, but now it's going to be on the rest of these universities to follow the lead of UNC. I don't know why this is surprising to anybody that these cases have spiked to the degree that they have because it's 13.6% positivity now. What's it going to be like in a week at Chapel Hill? But I think that is for the better if all these universities go online because that's the best way we're going to see these college football seasons go off. It's going to be if the players can bubble up, be secluded away from the rest of the student body, and that's how you're going to get this thing to work. There's no other way to do it right now unless you got true bubbles regionally but it is way way too late in the process to even think about doing something like that we'll see i'm interested to see if nc state's number comes out in the next couple of days or hours or notre dame's because again i mentioned the three schools i'm looking to are unc nc state and notre dame so unc the positivity rate up over 10 percent from when they opened up their doors, and we will see what that number looks like by the end of the week and if any football players are a part of that. All right, coming up next, Syracuse basketball talk because Quincy Garrier went home crying a couple times last year. The pain was that excruciating for him in his groin 
I will tell you what I think of Quincy Garrier and his ceiling for this upcoming season. That is coming up next. You know, Quincy Garrier was one of the players when he came to Syracuse. I was excited, I, and I, I still am very excited for what Quincy Garrier is going to bring to the Orange. I think he is a, a very talented player, and injuries clearly slowed him down a season ago. I mean, his minutes, he only averaged about 20 minutes a game last season, and we know he dealt with the groin injury that he has since gotten surgery on to, to just get right. He needs to get right. He needs to be healthy if he wants to be an important player for the Syracuse team, and I think he can. But so three months ago, when we departed, actually, wow, it is way more than three, it's more like five months ago, once the season was shut down and you left, the, the season's canceled, and you thought, okay, Quincy Garrier is going to be a starter for this team next season. You just that's the way you felt because you you had a good feeling Elijah Hughes was going to be NBA bound and maybe Quincy could be the next pop guy for Syracuse. A lot of scouts rave about this guy and what he can do at the next level at the NBA. So, you felt good. Quincy is going to come in, maybe he he ups that scoring figures to double figures and he can be a real important player for the Syracuse team. But that's not the case anymore. That's what happens when you've got an off season, you live in a world of uncertainty a lot can change. And that's exactly what happened with Syracuse, both on and off the floor. So the pandemic hits, Quincy decides to get his surgery, and he, he's going through an extended rehab period now, probably just because he can. He can go through that extended rehab period because of the fact that he's given the opportunity to have some extra time here. So we know that Quincy is going to hopefully be a lot healthier than he was in 2019 and, and the early parts of 2020. But what we don't know is whether or not he is going to be a starter for Syracuse. And that is where things get very interesting because Alan Griffin, that's the name you need to know. He's the one shaking the ecosystem now. And that's not a bad thing. <laughs> He's shaking the ecosystem in a good way for Syracuse. And I'm not talking about the assistant coach. I am talking about the transfer that the Orange got from the University of Illinois. Or as I like to call... Alan Griffin, I like to call him AG, I like to call Alan Griffin the, the coach, I like to call him double L. So AG, Alan Griffin the player, is coming in and he's bringing in a nice shooting touch that he had from, from Illinois, a guy who, who can shoot 40% from distance, and, and he's proven such at one of the highest levels of play in college basketball in the Big Ten. So Alan Griffin's a streaky guy. He can get going. He wasn't given the luxury of minutes. A year ago, kind of like Quincy. While he, while Quincy appeared in all, I believe it was 32 games that the Orange played in last season, he only averaged about 20 minutes a game. And that leads me to think, what is his ceiling? Because now he's got some competition in there. Again, Quincy didn't really have competition a season ago. He kind of knew he was going to come off the bench and be put in a reserve role. What's he going to do when he is thrust into the spotlight and potentially a starter for the Syracuse team? But when that becomes in question because of an off-season addition, and again, all of this is contingent upon a waiver that Alan Griffin's going to get from the NCAA, and it feels like, at least from the coaching staff and just the way that we've seen waivers kind of transpire in uh, the rest of college basketball this year, it feels like he is going to get said waiver. So let us, let's all work under that assumption as we have pretty much this entire off-season when we talk about Syracuse basketball for 2020 and beyond. So... The real thing that Syracuse is going to look for 
and needs in this upcoming season is they're going to need a guy who I think can be a, a reliable second ball handler alongside Joe Girard, and they're going to need a guy who can shoot and replace a lot of the scoring production that has been lost because of Elijah Hughes and his departure to the NBA. So when you look at the side-by-side now of Quincy and Alan Griffin, and you're also going to need some defense. Let me add defense in there as that third caveat as well. Last, So let's start with, with shooting. Alan Griffin is going to be the better shooter. And, I mean, you look from a season ago, and Quincy Garrier, his, his three-point percentage was not good. Three for 24. That, that comes out to 12.5% from a season ago. He has been able to shoot during the rehab, and he says he's gotten some more confidence in that shot. But let's see what it's like in game action and, and once he's in game shape. Is it going to revert back to that 3-for-24? Because I remember Tim telling us a lot during the season is that you go to warm-ups and you watch Quincy shoot and he looks good. But when he's shooting in games, that's where he comes into, pro- into some trouble and, and he, he looks like the 3-for-24 shooter that he really was. And again, who cares how good you are in practice? All that matters in a results-driven industry is what you're doing in the games. Alan Griffin... I think it's going to be pretty translatable from Illinois to Syracuse as you're going to see him be able to shoot the rock and give Syracuse a lot of buckets that way. So shooting advantage, Alan Griffin. My next um, caveat here is the ball handling. Can you be a reliable second ball handler alongside Joe Girard? Buddy Beheim, not great handling the basketball. We'll see how different he looks this upcoming season after the extensive work that he's done with Eric Devendorf in those personalized sessions in the, in the Bayheim family gym, something that very few, if any, in college basketball are afforded the luxury of. But hey, if you got it, don't don't hide from it. Don't don't keep it in the the back pocket. Use it, and, and that's something that Buddy Bayheim has certainly done. But anyway, the the reliable ball handler alongside, because I think Elijah Hughes was actually the best ball handler for Syracuse from a season ago, and they lost him. And you're going to need that reliable second ball handler. Is it going to be Alan Griffin or is it going to be Quincy Garia? Who is going to be a better ball handler between the two? And remember, we talked with some people from Illinois earlier, Tristan Kizik from the Champagne Room. He said ball handling was not one of the strengths of Alan Griffin. Now, I wouldn't classify it as one of the strengths for Quincy Garia. Even though he's a wing, he kind of has that back-to-the-basket kind of feel as a wing player. So... I'm going to lean Alan Griffin just because he does have more guard tendencies. I don't feel great leaning Alan Griffin, but there you have it. Alan Griffin up 2-0 in this little three-round game that I'm giving you. And then the defense, because Alan Griffin, not a great defender, not a total liability, but not a a great defender. Again, you're going to have to learn the zone. Quincy Garrier knows the zone better than Alan Griffin, I would imagine, at this point because of the fact that he has been able to practice and and has been and seen live game action in this zone. But he wasn't great. He wasn't great. A number of times he was called out by Jim Boeheim from a season ago for his inability to, to play well in the zone. He looked lost a lot. So I'm going to give it to... Quincy Garrier, but that's because the the body of work on Alan Griffin is N.A., not applicable, because we haven't seen it out of him. Who knows? Maybe Alan Griffin will be the better one in the zone, but as of now, it's it's to the incumbent, 
And that's not necessarily a good thing right now because of the way that Garrier struggled in the zone. Again, I like Garrier, but I think his development may be taking a step back because of the fact that he did have this groin injury over the course of this past season. Again, you've got to be in some damn excruciating pain if you're going home crying. And the fact that he even mustered his way out of last season, I think is super, super impressive. Just the way that he made it out alive, essentially, through that that season. And he he played in all 32 games. And you're going home crying because of the pain. He's a warrior. We've seen a number of warriors and, and guys who have played through some real tough pain at Syracuse over the last couple of years. And I think that's starting to become a little bit of the DNA of this Orange team. You're seeing some toughness out of them. And I like to see that out of my team. So again, we'll, we'll see what happens in this battle for that open three spot now because of the fact that Elijah Hughes is moving on to the next level. Again, Quincy Gary is a guy who a lot of people think can pop, but he's going to have to prove that that three-point shot and really that that deep two-point shot is good. But listen, even though the numbers don't look eye-popping on paper from a year ago, a little under seven points per game and five rebounds and 20 minutes per game shooting about 50% from the floor. You, you want to know whose numbers that was better than as a freshman and a guy who was on this roster right now? Here are the freshman numbers of a player on the Syracuse roster right now. Again, not a freshman last season, but when he was a freshman for the Orange. I'm going to read it off to you. 5.8 points per game, 4.8 rebounds in 28 minutes. So eight more minutes per game than what Quincy was playing from a season ago. That's Marek Dolajai. And Marek, he maximized those 28 minutes and ended up starting in almost 20 games as well. His freshman season, he was given opportunity to be great, and he made it happen even though the numbers weren't gaudy. Quincy can be that. His numbers were better than Marek's. And Marek, we've seen, he has the ability to give you a lot of different dimensions of basketball. Quincy can do that for you too. We Quincy's a guy who I think can average a double-double for Syracuse. He's He's got that talent in him. I mean, the fact that he's putting up about 7-5 and five in 20 minutes, again, 20 minutes per game is not what a Syracuse player usually plays. If Quincy is given the chance to start, he can be a double-double guy for this team, especially when you take the natural progression of year one to year two. But again, he's playing from a deficit right now because of the fact that he hasn't been able to put in the same amount of training, whether it's because of the pandemic or because of injury, that most players have been given the luxury of. So that is going to be an interesting battle at the three. I think it's going to be Griffin that comes out on top right away. But again, Quincy Guerrier is going to be a very valuable bench piece for this Orange team whenever we see a season. And again, we may not see a season. They're supposed to vote on this season and whether it's not it's going to be delayed at some point at some time this week. So that could give a little bit of an advantage back Quincy's way if he can heal and get back to practice and get in game shape. So I'm excited to see his development. But again, we've got a great battle at the three right now for Syracuse with Alan Griffin and with Quincy Garrier. All right, that's going to do it for today's Tuesday show. Coming up tomorrow, we are going to dive into some football stuff because some ACC coaches spoke anonymously coming out of Athlon Sport about the Orange and their prospects in 2020 wasn't very good. And really, I think there's there's more to than there wasn't it wasn't very good. 
there was some some flat out bad stuff about Syracuse and some stuff that doesn't just apply to this year, I think, as well. So we will dive into those comments, anonymous comments, from ACC coaches tomorrow, and we'll also keep you updated on what's going on with the upcoming football season. So we will do all of that tomorrow. Be sure to check out the show on Twitter, at LO underscore Syracuse, and we will talk to you on Wednesday. Thank you.